We'll start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy on me. Help us to carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we, uh, uh, we had a long birthday today for those on the podcast. It was a special one. Uh, and uh, so I'm only going to cover one paragraph, Warren, how it works now. We've started the book over and we've covered up to this point. I'm just going to do one paragraph because we had once somebody talk about how uh, uh, if you don't do this, you, uh, at a certain time, you'll drink again. We have no power to uh, not take the first drink. And I don't have any power today, and Mark doesn't either. But we, we can choose to seek the power. The power gives me the choice. And Mark mentioned he was in Kuwait for a year, and, and he's 25 years sober today, he celebrated his birthday. But he prayed and meditated every day. Stu and I, uh, this is the same scripture, right? wake up where uh, he drives to work I'm sitting at home get connected with God um, and so we're going to just read a paragraph on how it works because there's so much in this one paragraph but I don't want to go too long and, and uh, how it works so how it works how do we find a power to live because what's our dilemma does anybody remember it says on page 45 lack of power that's my dilemma. And I have to find a power to live. And it says the power will solve my problem. Now, what is my problem that the power can solve? I mean, I thought I had a lot of problems. Anybody else have a lot of problems? Yeah, I may still have problems tonight. Who knows? But the only problem I had was conscious separation from God. In my mind, I create a world where Michael was the center of it. I ran the show. And I got irritable, restless, and discontented. I was always full of fear. I had a lot of resentment, and I made bad decisions. Anybody else do that? And it wasn't a real world. It was one I created. And uh, there is a real world where God is the center, and he's my director. And that's where I have to be today. And in that world, I have a power to say no to alcohol. Yeah. Because God will say, bad idea. And, and if you're actually working the steps regularly, prayer, meditation, inventory, alcohol just doesn't come up. Just doesn't really, I don't really, doesn't come up anymore. It's not part of my life. And so how it works, how do I find a power to live? And if I live with that power in the fellowship of the spirit, then I'll have a power not to drink. It says that on page 85. The problem has been removed. It's just gone. And I have, if I stay in fit spiritual condition, I will react differently to alcohol. I'll recoil from a hot flame. Does anybody still have a burner? We have electric, but you don't keep putting your finger on the fire. Uh, I actually burned myself the other day, and I did say, I'm going to do that again. That was fun. No. And you see, but that's what we do. We're alcoholics. And we say, it's not going to burn us this time. And so uh, it says rarely. They put the word rarely there. And some people say, well, they shouldn't have put that. But, uh, and then they say Bill W. said he shouldn't have put rarely. But rarely is really good. Because rarely is rarely. 
Now, I don't know that I've seen a person who's thoroughly followed the path and is still continuing to do it, drink again. Now, I heard this said better than rarely. I heard that if you do everything and how it works, which is steps three and four, and in interaction, which is steps five through 11, and you keep doing that all day, every day, you'll never drink again. Because in step 10, you're actually doing one through nine all the time. And in step 11, you inventory at night and you stay connected to God. Yeah, I, if you're new, you need to know pages 84 and 88 in this book. You have to live on them. It's only four pages, but they have all, everything that we need to live. And they have the instructions, what I do during the day, what I do in the morning, what do I do at night, how do I inventory, how do I pray, how do I meditate. But to get and use that, you need to do the steps up to page 84 which is steps one through nine, and then page 84 is how you live with God in the noun, and then uh, how we use prayer and meditation to stay connected to God's will for me and the power to carry that out. So that I'm constantly seeking God. He's the object of my, of my faith. I was listening in Romans about faith and how they define it, and faith takes on the, is the character of the object. And that's what AA is about. We want to take on God's character. He's the object of my faith. And that's what AA really is all about. Who's the object of my faith? Is it me or is it God? Now, I went through that the other day. Probably some people are sick of hearing about it. But it says we have to choose the, the proposition when we're crushed by our alcoholism. Is God everything or nothing? What's his choice to be? Who's the object of my faith? Now, when it's me, guess what? I don't feel good. I have fear. I'm judging. You know, I don't feel connected. But when it's God, I feel okay. So if I don't feel okay, I just have to get back and connect to God. Now, how do you learn to do that? Sounds good, right? But how do you do it? Well, when you do your step four, you learn prayers for fear, prayers for anger. You learn how to deal with shame and guilt. And then you do that in the rest of the steps. And if you're not feeling good, you're back in your old character. And you use step six and seven so you get the character of God working in your life in that moment. For instance, it could be as simple as, I always use this example, because I am a little impatient. Not, not nearly as bad as I was. Like if I go in the food store and they're just not immediately ready to help me. You understand. And, and you know, that shouldn't happen because I'm Michael the Magnificent. Well, now I say, well, I'm retired, and especially when they start pulling out the coupons. The best is at Walgreens when they have the two gift cards and they want to do ten dollars for one card and fifteen for the next. Oh, yeah, there it is. And I just sit there and I say, well, you know, I'm retired. I have nothing to do. Can you relate to that? And because it's just the way we are. We don't have to. I don't have to react. I don't have to react anymore like that. And it says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. You've heard that. Now, the rarely in the Oxford group that we're based on, they had four absolutes. Their desire was to practice absolute purity, honesty, unselfishness, and love. It was a group of Christians who wanted to practice Christianity as it was in the scripture in the first century, Sermon on the Mount, Book of James spiritual principles before we got a lot of rules. 
And they were doing that so they could grow in the image and likeness of the object of their faith. And then AA took their six steps and made it 12 steps. And we broke away from the Oxford group in about 1938. And the book was written in 39. But if we put the four absolutes, that, you know, that wouldn't work with alcoholics. Now, what was the path? Notice it was their path. Now, you need to know what their path is if you want to follow it. So how do you know what their path is? They're telling you that's what the first uh, 88 pages are, is really their path. Steps 1 through 11, what they did. This is their testimony. Now, you don't have to do it. A says, great, don't do it. Have a party. Tell me how it works. And then if you run out of plans and you run out of options, then maybe you'll be willing to go to their length. And if you're willing to go to their length, they, AA says, well, tell me what happened. How did it work for you? Mark just told us how it worked. And so we are the testimony for the new people. I can tell you this works. It works. It's guaranteed. It's, it's an absolute promise. There's so many promises in this book. But thoroughly follow their path, and their path is outlined in this book. Remember in the forwards of the first edition, it says we're 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless condition of mind and body. And then what's the next line? Does anybody remember? Any smart people here? To show other alcoholics precisely in italics how we recovered, have recovered is the main purpose of this book. So this purpose of this book is to describe precisely what they did. So they, they had achieved recovery from alcoholism. So how do you recover from alcoholism if you don't have a, uh, a recipe for that? You follow their recipe. So now my wife makes chocolate chip cookies. And she has, there's a recipe on there. Now if you want the chocolate chip cookie that they made, you better use the recipe. Now the problem is alcoholics don't like to follow directions. So what we do is we'll, we'll want to do the recipe, but we're going we're gonna to add a little bit. No. No, that won't work, because then it becomes your recipe. And I want to do their recipe. Does this make sense? And so that's the path. And that's why I studied the book. And when my son died, I think Mark had a terrible accident right before Curtis died. That was on the lake, right? Mark was had serious, and, and, uh, and then they, that was like in June or July, and Curtis died in August of, of 08. And I'm glad I, I started this meeting. I'm not glad he died. I don't know if I still really ever dealt with it. Well, how do you deal with your son's death? You just never really do. But I wouldn't have met Mark. I wouldn't have met Shane. I wouldn't have met Stu, all the people in this room. You know, Who would have known when I met Mark that eventually Five years later, he'd call me from Kuwait, and he had a problem. And then I was there to help him. So we, and remember, God works through people. Now, here's a key line in the book. It says, those who do not recover. Now, they, they start out, this is the way they wrote. Rarely have we seen a person fail. And then they say, those who do not recover. So they're telling you, if you don't want to fail, thoroughly follow the path. And then they're going to tell you those who do not recover. Now, they talk about recover in this book. And what does it mean to recover? To recover means that you have a relationship with God so that you don't have the obsession to drink. 
And when it comes up, you say, bad idea. And then you have a mind that's not dominated by alcohol. And you're not under its power because you have God's power. Now, recovered is not a permanent condition. It can be, it depends on your relationship with God. So if you keep doing the deal every day, you don't have to do it perfectly, but you'll have enough of a relationship that God's working in your life. You don't want to get too far away from that. So this is a continuous program of recovery to keep you recovered. It's a circle. It says, who does who do not recover? So you'd be interested. Who are you people? They cannot or will not completely give themselves to the simple program. That doesn't say anything about meetings here, you know, or coffee or service work, which is important. But if you don't do the program, that's not enough, the fellowship. The fellowship is supposed to bring you to the program. And then when you do the program, you bring the program to the fellowship to someone else. And that's how it works. And it's at the end, they end the, uh, the instructions on the path on page 164. It says that we hope you will join us in the fellowship of the spirit. We're supposed to be a group of people who are dedicated together to improving and keeping a relationship with God. And that should be what our goals are. Now, we have a lot of rules now and this and that, but that should be what we are. Are we a God seeker? Somebody will come to the meeting, they're the wife or the brother or something. Oh, I don't know what to say. Just say you're a God seeker, because that's really what we all are. It says God can and will if he has sought, but he can't and he won't if you don't seek him. So here they're saying, who cannot and will not give themselves to this completely, a simple program. There are people who cannot or will not. So you have to ask yourself, are you a cannot or a will not? It says usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And constitutionally means, I can't read all this stuff I have in here. Uh, it's, your, it's your nature. It's your, your makeup. And what does it mean that you're constitutionally incapable of being honest with yourself? It sounds good, doesn't it? Well, what it means is that when you go back to page 44, where they're giving you more bad news, it says, to continue as you are if you're an alcoholic means disaster. And they tell you above that you have an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Unless you have a relationship with God, you're going to lose. Alcohol is more powerful than I am. So I need something more powerful than me and more powerful than alcohol. It says, especially if you're an alcoholic of the hopeless variety, it's disaster. And here's a key line in the big book, which comes right into whether you're constitutionally incapable of being honest. It says, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You're going to die or you live a spiritual life? That can't be a complicated alternative. You know, what's wrong with these people? But it says to face. You can't see the truth. There's no third door. You can't see complete defeat. You can't see your complete brokenness. 
Do you have no way to manage your life? You have no way to keep from drinking. Now that's, and, and to get that way, you have to be surrendered by the disease. And Mark described it. I was surrendered just like him. I mean, I, I was done. And I didn't wake up at that day and say, oh, I'm going to surrender. It's just everything caved in. And, I, and God gave me the grace to see that I couldn't do it anymore. And I got down on my knees and I said, God, help me. And it's been a hell of a heck of a journey. And uh, it'll be quite a few years uh, in about four weeks. And uh, I can't even imagine the things that have happened to me and the people who have come and worked in my life. And it says, uh, in that case, you cannot face the two alternatives. You can't see the truth. You know why? Because you're thinking with an alcoholic mind. An alcoholic mind can't see the truth between doomed to an alcoholic death or living on a spiritual basis. They just can't see it. It takes God to help me see the truth. Now, when you have that moment of truth, they call it complete defeat or hitting bottom. And it's not circumstances. It's when you no longer can deny that you're either doomed to an alcoholic death or you better live on a spiritual basis. You can't see, you can't, there's no other door. You're done. Now, I've seen people who get there, they're done. They come, they cry, I give them a hug. They're, they're, they really are completely gave themselves to this simple program for a week or two weeks. And then I say, call me every day. You don't get a call. They don't show up. It's, they could see it for a short period of time. And God gives us the grace that when we see it, we better take the action. Because he's not going to do it for us. But he'll be there with us. And that's why it says, you and the new man must walk day by day down the path of spiritual progress. And like Mark said, you don't have to do it alone. In fact, you can't do it alone. You need somebody to help you. And so um, they, can't see, they can't see the two alternatives. And it says there, there are such alternatives, unfortunates, they're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and then developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. And you've heard that too, right? And what does that mean? They can't, they can't stay honest about what? They're thinking. They can't stay honest about their motives. They can't be honest about, what does it say in the next paragraph? Old ideas. We have, to, we have to let go of them all or the results nil. We can't see it. And we keep making excuses or we keep evaluating things, you see. We keep deciding what we need. And honest means rigorously honest about where you are in your relationship to God. Are you with God or are you separated? I don't think I've ever said that before. That sounded good, didn't it? Yeah. Their chances are less than average. And there are those two who suffer from grave mental, emotional mental disorders. And there are people, we've known that. We had somebody just die this year. It was a wonderful man. I knew him for years. And he had severe emotional mental disorders. But he was the greatest person, one of the greatest persons I've ever met. Helped everybody. But many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So they've used the word honest three times in the first paragraph. Notice that. That's how important it is. 
and we've, we've not, have not lived honestly. The doctor's opinion, he says, we cannot not tell the truth from the false. And we can't tell the truth from the false about alcohol, right, before we drink it. We think it's okay. We can only see what it's going to do for us, not to us. And so we have to develop this manner of living that means honest. Where am I in relation to God? Where am I in relation to living in Michael's world or God's world? Where I am in relation to my character defects? And, and here's the great one. Where am I wrong again? What am I wrong about? I want to be wrong. And, and don't worry. I'm told a lot at home when I'm wrong. So don't worry. That's not a problem. But I want to be wrong because I don't want to be right anymore. And to be, admit you're wrong means you're open. You're open to seeing the truth about a situation. And uh, uh, I'll end with this. Uh, um, the guy did new pair of glasses, Chuck C. He said he'd wake up every morning and he'd say, God, he used to call him Dad, what am I going to be wrong about today? Because the more you see you're wrong about things, the more you, you grow. Now, I'm, I'm in Walgreens and I'm getting impatient and you know they have the 85 gift cards. I'm seeing it wrong. I should be saying, it's so good that they're able, they probably don't have a lot of money, they got these gift cards, they got the coupons, it's great. Which way do you feel better? And that's just a simple, stupid example. Uh, and so I, I think, I, I hope this helped. We'll pick up with, I usually do uh, three or four meetings on these uh, first uh, three pages. We'll go through all the steps and how they relate to each other. Next week, we'll, uh, we'll pick up with our stories that go through that. And then I talk too long, but uh, hopefully we'll have some time for discussion. Thank you.